Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. And here we go. Is the Taliban takeover of Afghanistan now inevitable? No, it is not. Previous administration negotiated an agreement with the Taliban. He should be less focused on trying to blame this on someone else than to solving the problem of making sure that we protect and defend American security. This did not happen on our watch. Uh, sorry. This is Devious Motives with Brett Winterbull. This is episode number nine, and we are now moved uh, much, much more into the aftermath of the collapse in Afghanistan. We have now crossed over the 20th anniversary of September the 11th, and I was asked by a couple of people, why didn't you uh, post a specific or special September 11th program? It's for my own personal uh, desire to keep this current iteration of what's happening in Afghanistan, the current foreign policy failure in Afghanistan, separate from what it was that happened on September the 11th. I, I don't believe there is any room really for politicizing September the 11th. It was a horrible day and a day that I had hoped two decades on that we would have learned the important lessons of a lack of preparation, a lack of taking threats against the United States seriously. So I didn't want to get caught up in the mash of the, the the political posturing that we saw with some of the remembrances. I want to keep focused on this current time. I, I certainly posted a comment over on my Facebook page and had something to say on Twitter but the reality is what's happening now in Afghanistan needs to be separated from the attack of September the 11th, because Afghanistan was truly an example of the great war on terror reset. You know, you hear about the great reset coming from Klaus Schwab over at the World Economic Forum, where they said, hey, COVID represents a chance to reset the world economy. Well, the aftermath of September the 11th was was really no different. The aftermath of September the 11th was straight up. Uh, an opportunity to reset our security posture in the world to take threats from enemies uh, seriously and to take them as urgent matters that need to be managed. Well, we are now uh, removed by about two weeks from the last American plane leaving Afghanistan. To date, we don't know how many Americans are still Inside Afghanistan to date, we don't know whether or not the United States government is going to pony up dollars and give support to the Taliban government, uh, a government that is occupied by people who were actively involved in the September 11th, a plotting and the protection of those plotters. Uh, we don't know. Uh, what that pathway forward is, because the answers you get from people like Anthony Blinken, who's really sort of the the vice chair of the collapse of Afghanistan, is the way I would put it, because he runs the State Department. Um, you know, the answers we get from them are uh, dawdling and vague. There is no sense of urgency coming from the uh, upper end of the Biden administration when it comes to Afghanistan. All you have to know to know this is that on Monday of this week, which would have been the 13th of September, two days removed from 9-11, you had President Biden make his way out for a whistle stop 
in Long Beach, California, to stump for Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, who's facing a recall. You could have done that by video and you could have been seen uh, staying at the White House and working every angle you can, every way you can to try to remedy the situation uh, in Afghanistan for the Americans and the SIV holders. And so in, in, over the course of this episode of Devious Motives, uh, the collapse of Afghanistan, uh, I will I'll work in some of the sound from Blinken's testimony yesterday. I'll work in some other sound as well. But what you have is an administration right now who is looking at what will be a looming and I mean a looming threat to the United States in uh, terrorism, Al Qaeda, ISIS, ISIS-K, whatever group you want to use. Groups still not even known, like groups that will still be formed in the aftermath of what happened. And you've got a desire to move on from all of that. There isn't a sense of urgency uh, taking root. There isn't a sense of, uh, of, of, of a need now to defend and protect Americans who are there. It's in, in many cases, it's uh, uh, see you later, slow pokes. You guys couldn't get on the planes. You couldn't get into uh, the air, airport in uh, Kabul. So you're on your own. Sorry, too bad. How sad. Call your dad. And so here's where we now are. We, we are now in a place where uh, I saw earlier today, Trey Yingst uh, live in Kabul uh, broadcasting amid the Afghan chaos. He's in Kabul, which means he was able to get into Kabul, Afghanistan, and will likely be able to get out of Kabul, Afghanistan. But what about the Americans who are still there in the country? Well, what about them? They're an afterthought. They're an after. They're, they're, they're not important any longer because it's not being driven by ABC, NBC, CBS, MSNBC, CNN, Fox is obviously still talking about it. The other channels are just not talking about it anymore. They're they're more interested in climate change and hurricanes, and they're more interested in the three point five trillion dollar human infrastructure bill, all the sorts of domestic political stuff that, that can easily be managed in the background. But you have an administration that is desperate to get Afghanistan off the front page. And the reality is the way you get Afghanistan off the front page is really very simple. The way you get Afghanistan off the front page is you solve Afghanistan by getting the American troops out. And so this is this is where we are in the present crisis. It's also worth noting. It's also worth noting about the alliance and the allies. And that cuts two different ways. There are two sets of alliances that we're talking about here. For the United States, it's the NATO alliance, right? It's it's the Brits, it's the French, it's the Belgians, it's the Germans, it's the uh, the Japanese. It's, it's everybody who's sort of a part of that national security framework that had been celebrated, elevated, uh, demanded to be protected by the uh, out of power uh, institutionalists when Donald Trump was president. Remember how they would run around saying, uh, that we have to protect the old order. We have to protect NATO. NATO has been there for 70 years, and this is a president that doesn't take NATO seriously. We abandoned our allies in NATO when we decided we were going to cut and run out of Afghanistan. And I understand that, you know, people can say, well, Donald Trump did that. Well, the reality is Joe Biden was the president of the United States on January the 20th. And Joe Biden is the president to this day uh, when we are making this podcast on the 14th of September. And at any point, he could have changed course, changed policy. He could he could reinvade the country right now if he wanted to. Not calling for that, but that's one side of the alliance. And you've heard nothing. You've heard nothing from our allies in the last two weeks since our last flight left Afghanistan. Now, you see a different alliance that's now formed. 
the difference alliance that is now formed, the different alliance that is now formed involving Afghanistan is the alliance backing the Taliban. Pakistan, Turkey, who's a NATO ally, is a part of that conversation. The Chinese, the Iranians and the Russians, that's the new alliance and it's getting no coverage. The Chinese in the last 24 hours pledged, I think it was $30 million in food aid to the Taliban. Food aid to the government of the Taliban. Now, the United Nations, true to form, the same institution that gives you the World Health Organization, the corruption uh, that that you saw come out of that during the crisis uh, involving COVID and whether or not the, the head of the WHO was working for Xi Jinping or working for the betterment of the rest of humanity. Uh, the, the United Nations and uh, the, the leader there has now come out and said that he wants $600 million to go to Afghanistan for uh, for the poor, for the underprivileged, for all those folks. Now, understand what we're looking at here, okay? You, you have admissions from Tony Blinken in the last 24 hours that there are some charter flights that have not been allowed to leave, that there are charter flights who have been on the ground for some period of time, uh, there are uh, uh, situations involving thousands, thousands of people who have paperwork from the United States government to get out. It's not 100, 150 people. And, and while we're looking at the, the domestic politics of the Biden administration's objectives, and while we're looking at ignoring a conversation about getting our Americans out, though our veterans groups are stepping up and standing up to, uh, to defend these people to get them out. This this gathering of piranhas, and I'm sorry, but that's who it is. The the Turks, the Iranians, the Russians, the Chinese, and the Pakistanis. I mean, if you were going to have a legion of if you were going to have a legion of doom or a, a a legion of evil, that would be it right there. Because every one of those countries has a hand in attempting to thwart, destabilize, or outright kill uh, Americans, American assets, and, and American institutions. The Chinese are not our friend. They're an enemy. Pakistan does not act as a friend. It acts as a hostile enemy. Iran has vowed to wipe uh, Israel and the United States off the map since 1979. And of course, you know, the Turks go their own way. They are uh, being seduced by uh, former days of grandeur. And then the Russians, well, they they speak for themselves in terms of how they're going to comport themselves in the world today. All of these are deep rooted, deep seated situations that need at their root. What was it that they would need? They need expertise in the world of diplomacy, expertise in the world of diplomacy. And we were told that this team that came into Washington, D.C. on September, the, on January the 20th, were the pros. The adults were back in charge. I do not root against my country when it comes to pandemics, the economy. I don't root against my country when it comes to terrorism. I don't root against my country in any of these measures. Regardless of who the president and the administration are, I want to see America remain safe because I have children and you have children and families. And I care about my fellow Americans, regardless of party affiliation. Uh, 
I don't want to see harm come to Americans here or abroad. But we have to speak truthfully and honestly that if this is the set of pros who are coming in to save us, we got to go shopping for some new pros. We got to get out there and try to find a, a new group of people who have a better plan because I don't know how you approach Pakistan or China. I don't know how you approach Iran. I don't know how you approach Turkey. I don't know how you approach uh, the Russians in this regard. How, how do you do that? How do you find the middle ground between good and evil? How do you do that? And so I'm, I'm, I'm not a cockeyed optimist. I'm not uh, somebody who, who thinks... Uh, in, in Pollyannish ways. But the fact of the matter is, do we have somebody out there working the capitals? Do we have anybody out there who's working the capitals, who's out there trying to uh, create these relationships, talk to these people, what have you? Does that exist in any way, shape, manner or form? It does not. It does not. Because it's about turning the page and moving on. So what, what I want to do is I want to take just a little bit of a journey down the road over the last couple of days with what's been said uh, and what's been said about our, our current security picture. This, this is uh, something that I think is so absolutely troubling. Uh, I, 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 don't, I don't believe we've gone back to 910. Uh, I feel like we, we've gone back to 1993 with the first World Trade Center bombing uh, that took place when Bill Clinton was president and then suffering through the terrorist attacks across the 1990s, Kobar Towers, the, the, the attacks on our, our embassies in Tanzania and Kenya, the USS Cole attack. Um, I feel like we've, we've been reset all the way back to 1993. We're, we're not in a place at all like September the 10th um, where, where we can suddenly flip on a dime what we had on September 12th that we didn't have on September 10th was we had the moral authority to lead a global fight against Al Qaeda and the radical Islamist terrorist networks that were looking to threaten everybody. Well, we don't have that cachet anymore. We, we have become diminished and distracted. And I never once in my life would have thought that the diminishment and the distraction would actually be emanating from the Oval Office itself and from the administration itself. That to me is incredibly troubling because at its core, the only reason why you're supposed to have an organized government is to ensure uh, not just uh, tranquility, but it's to ensure the safety and security of the citizens of the Republic. That's what it comes down to. And if we're not in that business anymore of protecting our citizens either here or abroad, then I, in all honesty, I don't know what the point of having this government functioning the way it is, is. I'm Brett Witterbull. Coming up, the sounds of the explainers, the collapse of Afghanistan. This is Devious Motives. You're listening to Devious Motives. You're listening to Devious Motives. Welcome back to Devious Motives, the collapse of Afghanistan. Let's dive into some of the sound that we heard from across the weekend and the messaging that we've been hearing in the last couple of days. This is Vice President Kamala Harris uh, there in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. This is what she had to say about the enduring message 
of the uh, the battle for Flight 93. This ties in beautifully to uh, to this uh, conversation that we're having regarding the pathway forward after Afghanistan collapses. We must also look toward the future because in the end, I do believe that is what the 40 were fighting for. Their future and ours. Very nice, very pretty words, no cackling detected, but they're empty because if they were fighting on Flight 93 for the future, uh, what was that future? And what was that future for Americans there um, in Afghanistan? Like they would like to have a future as well, Vice President Harris. Uh, they, they would really, really like to have a a future. And what is the future that what are, what are they fighting for? What were they fighting for? What are they doing? What was incredible to me watching the first day of testimony involving Tony Blinken was how nakedly, how nakedly the uh, the Democrats were in trying to rehab this horrible policy. And, you know, I'm, I'm looking at guys like Brad Sherman from Los Angeles. There's a substantial Afghan community in Afghanistan, in uh, in Los Angeles. And there are probably people who have family ties back to Los Angeles, but he couldn't give a rat's rip. So the future, the future belongs to who? Well, now the future belongs to the Taliban, right? And it's so interesting because one of the hallmarks of the Me Too movement was Kamala Harris. I mean, she she practically um, did a flying uh, roundhouse kick to uh, Brett Kavanaugh's head when he was nominated to be the uh, Supreme Court justice. And uh, she was she was the, the, you know, the visual manifestation of all that was me, too. And yet you have from Kamala Harris this. Well, you know, it's the future. And we'll look at the future. And the future is going to be nice. No, the future will be nice if you get it off the front page. But if it doesn't get off the front page, it's it's not going to be very nice at all. And that's the thing to keep in mind. President Biden, for his part, uh, said this, said this as the enduring uh, lesson from September the 11th. Unity is what makes us who we are. America at its best. To me, that's the central lesson of September 11th. In the years since September the 11th, this has been the go-to line for politicians, Republican and Democrat, conservatives and liberal. Unity. The unity was amazing. Unity is simply a quality of a condition. Unity is like saying what we need to strive for is productivity. Uh, we, we need to work on the productivity. We need to work on the outcomes. Well, the reason why we were unified, and I say this as somebody who was in New York City, whose wife was adjacent to Ground Zero uh, in, in southern Manhattan. What made us unified was we were all scared to death. We were worried about the next attack. We were unified because we said we can never let this happen again. And oh, my God, we could have died. Three thousand of us did. Tens of thousands have died since the deaths continue to come as a result of the illnesses down at ground zero. Al Qaeda continues to murder Americans. From that day. This is the the lesson is that you don't ever backtrack when you have been hit like this. FDR would not have done it. Grant would not have done it. Lincoln didn't do it. Washington didn't do it. I mean, it's 
it's these empty words because while he's telling you we need unity, you know, we're not unified as a people. We are not unified as a people because we have people stranded in Afghanistan to this very day. I don't know what that message is that he's trying to push. So here comes Tony Blinken to testify at the House on Monday afternoon. And he got an earful. He got an earful. He heard from uh, Representative Perry from Pennsylvania. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Mr. Blinken, assuming it's not classified, can you tell us where you are today? Uh, yes, I'm uh, at the State Department. Oh, couldn't couldn't be bothered to come down here and see Congress. All right, that's great. Uh, hey, this, that, sir, excuse me, sir. My understanding is the, that the House is not in session. And that's why the session I'm, I'm right here, Secretary. So is the chairman. So is the ranking member. We're in. We're here. Uh, you know, could could you have possibly made the trip to Capitol Hill to, to actually talk to us in person? Could that would that have been too much to ask for uh, uh, Secretary of State Blinken? There's an inner regality. Not egality, regality that Tony Blinken carries with himself. He thinks he's above the Congress and the Senate. The Congress and the Senate are his bosses because we are his bosses. He serves at the pleasure of the president. He was confirmed by the Senate to be speaker. I mean, to be uh, secretary of state. But he works for you and me. And he couldn't give a rip to make a trip to go and have a conversation with the Congress about what happened in Afghanistan and what is still happening now. What is still happening now in Afghanistan? Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin bears some of the blunt, uh, the brunt of, of the blame for what it is that just went down. And Secretary of Defense Austin uh, knows darn well as a guy who actually fought in the theaters uh, in, in, in the war on terror. He actually was a, an on the ground commander, a general and a commander who understands exactly what the Taliban and Al Qaeda are all about. He's a really smart guy. He's an accomplished man who is serving as the secretary of defense, disagreed with him over the CRT introductions and things like that. Disagree with them uh, with Mark Milley. But I have to tell you, even he understands that Al Qaeda is right there. He understands what the Taliban is. Here's what he told Andrea Mitchell uh, over this past weekend. Well, it's troubling. It, uh, as you look at, uh, at their lineup thus far, it looks like uh, the, the same folks that we saw before. Uh, I would point to the fact that uh, they are cooperating uh, with us in terms of our, our efforts to get our American citizens out of country. Uh, but I would not... Uh, uh, you know, expect, you know, uh, from that infer anything for the future. I would say that, uh, you know, they're cooperating on with us on this narrow set of, uh, of issues uh, and we'll take it for what it is. The professionals and the experts when it comes to national security and security matters and anti anti-terrorism and counterterrorism and all that sort of stuff. They understand that this is a terrible policy that was executed by the Biden administration. And what. And this is the shame of a supposed free press, because a free press should be telling the truth about that. A free press should say, no, 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 no. This is not how you win a war. This is not how you leave a war. This is not how you do any of that. Look, if Bob Menendez, crooked Bob Menendez, the chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, can say the execution of the withdrawal was flawed. You, you know what, what he really wants to say? He wants to say, you guys blew this. You blew this. And now the Democrats who get out there on the campaign trail in 2022 and whoever runs in 2024, uh, is going to have to answer impossible questions because it, this is not about turning the page. This is not about walking out of Afghanistan. It's not even about stranding the Americans. What this is about is 
you now have full culpability for everything that happens from August 31st on until, God forbid, we have another terrorist attack. All of that is going to be pointed right back to the policy that was run by Joe Biden, Vice President Harris, Tony Blinken, etc. You now took complete ownership, whether you like it or not, of um, of being responsible for whatever mass terror attack happens. And when you see Ayman al-Zawahiri, who we were told two years ago was daddy died, he's, he's not an issue anymore. Don't worry about him. He's he's over. He's done. And he came out and he showed up in a video. This is the guy who was bin Laden's second in command and took over after bin Laden was 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 killed. This guy comes out and says, hey, 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 I'm here. Al Qaeda back and better than ever for a second term. We were told he was dead. We were told he had been taken out. We were told that he, he, he was finished. This guy now has been re-inspired to get an attack against the United States. This is a deadly serious reality. And uh, I know that the president has said on a number of occasions, and it doesn't make any sense to me, uh, and I'm being honest, it doesn't make any sense when he says, why do you think Al-Qaeda is going to come back to Afghanistan? Al-Qaeda went to other places. That's bad. Like, that is not something you should kind of celebrate or point to as anything approaching success. It's none of that. All right. In the same way that uh, when George uh, W. Bush was going on the comedy circuit at the end of his presidency and saying, oh, where's the weapons of mass destruction? No weapons of mass destruction over there. No weapons of mass destruction over here and laughing about it. You, you can't you can't be those people that whistle past the graveyard when you are the most powerful people in the entire world. Why? Because to use the old adage. From Rumsfeld and Cheney and 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 Bush, you know, we have to be right a hundred percent of the time. They just got to get a car bomb into a major city once. We have a huge burden on our back right now, and the notion that we're going to turn the page, celebrate unity, uh, look at the future. I have seen the future. You have seen the future. We saw what the future was. It was called Syria, and it was called Iraq when ISIS took over. And the sad reality is, for whatever reason, we are going to likely see more violence around the world. Here's a hint. Start looking at what's going on in Africa. Start looking at what's going on with Boko Haram and, and the jihadists in Africa. This, this is a scary new reality. And we have in front of us aligned a group of terrorists and terrorist sponsoring states who now know with a firm certitude that America's word is not good and that America's resolve is weak. Love to hear your thoughts. Reach out to me on Twitter at Winterbull Show. And of course, on the Brett Winterbull Show Facebook page, you can message me in both of those places. Also, if you do me a favor, I'd really appreciate it. We've got a Rumble page up now. We're putting up videos and I'd love to get your uh, your liking and sharing and all that sort of stuff. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it. Please review it. Please rate it. We appreciate you being out there. I am Brett Witterbull. This is Devious Motives, the collapse of Afghanistan. Devious Motives with Brett Winterbull.